scripture for the morning. I'm going to read the back end, and uh, we're going to, I'm going to read the back end of chapter 6. Uh, so at the end of chapter 6, it says, uh, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu. Uh, in 52 days, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly uh, in their own esteem. And they perceived that this work uh, had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, nobles of Judah sent many uh, letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters uh, came to them. Uh, for many in Judah were bound uh, by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah. And the son of Era and the son of Jehonah uh, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Bekiah, uh, as his wife. Also, uh, they spoke of his good deeds in the presence uh, and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to him to make me afraid. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for a time to read your word. Lord, I thank you for options on this stage for mics. Um, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, um, Father, at the end of the day, Lord, if you turned off all the technology, that we still have voices. <laughs> Um, so, Father, as, Lord, I thank you for that text, Lord, knowing that you can complete a good work through adversity. And, Father, that even in completing a good work, adversity doesn't end. Uh, Lord, that adversity is a part of life on this earth. But, Lord, as we just sang and as we look forward to you coming back, as we look forward to life forever with you, hearing you be shouted at, holy, 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 Father. I thank you for the day where adversity ends. Jesus, we love you. We thank you in your holy name. Amen. Uh, you guys can have, uh, have a seat. Uh, this is a, a picture that Ava and I, we see so differently. Uh, this happened uh, last week. Uh, Jason Kelsey had said he was going to do this. Uh, and his wife said, you better not. We're meeting Taylor Swift for the very first time. And he was like, good, that sounds like a green light for me. Uh, and so Ava and I see this whole scene on uh, very differently. Uh, the Family uh, Fantasy Football League, uh, Ava's name for the Fantasy Football League was Rolling with Mahomes. Uh, and so she was rolling with Mahomes. She was rolling with him and rolling with Kelsey, and she just thinks Taylor ruined her whole fantasy football uh, season uh, because uh, Brady Landon. Do you guys remember who won the fantasy football league? Oh, it was me. Okay, great. Uh, and so I'm fair. I see. I love it. I love that Taylor Swift was a part of it all, and I think it's just good, harmless fun, and I know something could come out tomorrow that could I could eat my words, but whatever. Uh, I think Media Week uh, with uh, the Chiefs versus the 49ers would be awesome with all the Taylor Swift uh, stories. But again, Ava and I see it differently. She said to me this past week during the game, I can't stomach Taylor anymore. And uh, quote unquote. And so uh, we see it differently. As we're going into God's word today, and as we're going to deep dive, not kind of deep dive, we're going to kind of do a broad stroke of a few different chapters. We're going to look at the, the start of the wall to the finish of the wall uh, in the book of Nehemiah. I think we see faithfulness sometimes differently than God sees faithfulness. I think sometimes we look to God and we think ourselves more faithful uh, than God sees. And sometimes I think we look to God and we want the impossible, but we want the impossible without the faithfulness. Sometimes I think we want the mountaintop experience without the, the climb to get to the mountaintop. 
Sometimes I think that when we are exasperated by life, I know nobody in here has ever walked in here exasperated, uh, but I know that when we're exasperated by life, doesn't faithfulness become a challenge? And I think in, 20, in January 2024, exasperated is maybe the word of the year that we didn't anticipate. Uh, and so when that happens, will we remain faithful even through the adversities of life? And so on the screen is a QR code. If you guys could uh, take out your phones and scan that, this is our uh, weekly rundown. You can also go to www.wellspring forward slash weekly. Here's why this is something available to you every week. We update it every single week. Uh, we have staff meeting, then we update it. Here's why this is critically important. I am going to go through, because six months ago, uh, six months ago, Jason said, I hate six months future Jason, me, uh, and said, hey, let's go through uh, Nehemiah 3, 4, 5, and 6 on one Sunday, uh, which is a nightmare as a preacher. And so we're going we're gonna to just kind of do a broad stroke, which means I'm trusting you guys to do the deep dive which means I'm trusting you guys as I kind of do like an overview of the chapter that you guys, like the book of Acts talks about with the Bereans, that you guys would be Bereans, that you guys would deep dive the text, that you guys would, yes, trust me with integrity to study and preach, but then I'm also trusting you to not just trust my words, to go before God and make sure what is ever is coming out of my mouth or anybody from the stage is always bowing before the Word of God and how the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God. So please go to that QR code. Please read those texts. There's also resources on there to get a free link to a, a Right Now Media, which is like Christian Netflix, and some deep dives on the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. And so today we're going to look at Nehemiah 3, 4, 5, and 6, which is really just the, the completion of this wall. We've seen that. Nehemiah had a vision from God. He heard about it. He prayed about it. He had uh, the king give him resources to do this. Last week he was kind of scanning over it and preparing preparing it and planning for it. And what we're going to see today is how the work got done from start to finish, but from start to finish, every step along the way, there was adversity. And so in chapter 3, if you guys can uh, turn there, if you were just in chapter 6, just go back a few pages. Uh, in the first two verses of chapter uh, 3 says, Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and priests, and they built the, the sheep gate. Uh, they consecrated it and set its doors, which means that this is a spiritual project as well as a practical project. Uh, they consecrated it as far as the Tower of, of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. Uh, and next to the men of Jericho, they built uh, next to them, uh, Zakar, the son of Imar, built, dot, 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 it would just keep saying, and next to, and next to, and next to. And so you guys can read that chapter, but here's what I want you to see in this chapter. The priests are working. This is a, this is a, a priestly job. You have, you have men and women. There are, there are daughters working on the wall. This is not the men saying, well, this is, men should be the ones that are the carpenters, and men should do this. Like, no, they're, they're, everybody's involved in this. There are people from outside the community, not just from uh, Jerusalem, from uh, Tokyo, um, and they are helping out. You have nobles that said, no, I'm not going to help out. You, you have people from all different ages, all different uh, backgrounds. You have everybody there helping out. Some of them had long parts. Some of them had short sections. But all of them had a role to play. And so what we can learn from this is that diversity was needed to get the job done. There were so many different portions of the community helping out to do this work. This was not just one segment of society doing the job. And you know what, when you bring diversity to a big project like this happens? <laughs> a lot of opinions, a lot of secondary things that come up. 
And it's really hard to fight through and to say, this is, we're going to keep the main thing the main thing and keep these secondary issues secondary and focus in on the, the main objective. Uh, when I was reading through this, I was, uh, one of the things I was reminded about is, uh, is the Allied, uh, the World War II. If you guys can remember from the history books, uh, D-Day. That, isn't that not an example of uh, countries coming together from different backgrounds, from different cultures, from uh, different economic statuses, um, from different ways of doing it, different languages, and all working together to defeat a common foe? Uh, and so you had there, uh, you'll see on the screen, this is the war room. These are the, uh, uh, the war, this is a place uh, where they were all together uh, and they were uh, complete, Eisenhower was getting different resources and different uh, test skinning done and, and running different projects and kind of uh, creating this. And they had this whole plan going. They had planes flying all over, the, all over the world trying to get weather reports from different parts of the country so they could know uh, when they were going to attack the beach that they would have the right weather for it because if the weather was bad, uh, the boats would capsize or take in water and the, the, the soldiers wouldn't even make it. So the weather was a huge part of it. They were running, uh, they, they were going to move Patton up uh, upshore of sorts uh, and he was going to be a decoy so they would think, oh, if they're taking the General Patton, of course they're not going to launch an attack here. Uh, and they did a whole, they, they lost 946, I think it was, but just under 1,000 people in, uh, in a practice run. Um, and so, like, this was all uh, hands on deck. They were going after this. And so the war room was them planning it out. And now the war room doesn't mean that it was going to get done. I mean, of course, we know with history that it did get done. Uh, but here are some of the facts about what ended up happening. Uh, the invasion included 7,000 ships. There was 195,000 naval personnel. There was eight allied countries, eight countries, uh, and 133,000 troops from the United Nations, uh, British Commonwealth, and their allies. And we lost uh, 10, uh, just over 10,000 people. And then here is a picture of uh, some of the men on the boat. So they had to embrace diversity. They had to embrace different cultures, eight allied countries to come with this fight. Uh, and they were able to accomplish some great feat. Uh, and the point is that Eisenhower could not have done this just by saying, well, let's just, let's just take D-Day. Let's just do this. Uh, men actually had to go and had to fight. And so from the war room came the actual battle. You and I have a common mission. You and I, as Christians, have a common enemy, and so diversity is needed to accomplish what is, uh, what is the main thing before us. As a church, our mission statement is that we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community. And you know what that means? That means that we have to embrace diversity. We have to love diversity. I'm going to suggest for two reasons, although there are many reasons. One, we as American Christians serve a Jewish Messiah. So if anybody should love uh, diversity, it should be the American Christian who serves a Jewish king. But then also, we feel called to reach Tom's River with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Guess what? I am a middle-aged white man. Guess what Tom's River is not? All middle-aged white. Uh, and so middle, uh, Tom's River does not completely vote like me. Uh, and so what that means is that if we want to reach our community for the gospel message of Jesus Christ, we are best positioned to do that if we in here look a little bit more like our community so we can go out into our community with the gospel message of Jesus Christ to reach everybody in our community, not just the ones that we feel comfortable reaching. We have to reach everybody because the gospel is for absolutely 
everybody and unites us around the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, uh, and so going on. Now we're going to flip to chapter 4. Again, we're going real fast through this. Now I'm going to read just a little bit more uh, scripture so that we can really get into it. But it says, now when Sanibel heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews and they said, in the presence of the brothers of the army of uh, Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? They're making fun. They restore it for, will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up uh, in a day? Will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burned, uh, and burned ones of, of that? And Tobiah the Anamite was beside him, uh, beside him. And he said, yes, uh, they are building. It is uh, a fox goes up. It, it will break down uh, their wall. He's spoken fun. If a, wa- if a fox, a fox could tear this down. Uh, hear, O oh, uh, our God, uh, for we are despised. This is now Nehemiah praying. Uh, Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up uh, to be plundered in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt uh, and let not their sin be blotted out out of your, from out of your sight, uh, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height, uh, for the people had a mind to work. Moving on a little bit to verse 9. And we, and we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. Moving on a little bit from there. And then I looked and, I, and, and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great. Remember the Lord who is great. We're doing a good work, but we got to remember the Lord. And fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your your homes. Uh, when our enemies heard that this was known to us, that God had frustrated their plan, uh, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From day on, half of my servants worked on the construction with uh, and, held, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall, and those who carried out uh, the burdens uh, were loaded in such a way uh, that each labored on the work with one hand and, and held a weapon in the other. <laughs> Nehemiah sees that there's two agendas at play here. Nehemiah sees that, hey, there's a lot of naysayers, and now they're actually getting violent. Uh, now they actually want to cause harm. Uh, and so he sees that these naysayers, that they have an agenda, and it's a selfish agenda, but their agenda doesn't align with God's agenda. And you can't reconcile the two uh, uh, like that. And so he sees that also the people are, are starting to get troubled with what is going on, that they're building, they're doing work, they're laboring, but also there are people coming at them, and now like their lives are endangered because they're doing the work of God. And so they start to get fearful. But what they've taken out of account, they're like, okay, the work is great, the people are small. We can never do this. But they're not factoring God into their emotions. They're not factoring God into their thinking. And it's the very same thing that the enemy is doing. The enemy, as he comes at these people, they're not factoring in God into the equation of what's going to happen. So Nehemiah prays and, and then reminds the people, hey, remember your God. Remember it's God who is, is fighting for us. And then he reminds them, we're going to get back to work. And yeah, we're going to pray we're going to plan, we're going to push, you're going to keep a weapon in your hand, and we're going to do something about this. Uh, we're going to protect ourselves. This is Nehemiah is not the type of person that's like, you know what, I'm just going to pray for the illness to go away. I'll never go to the doctors. This is somebody that knows how to pray, but also to how to plan accordingly. And so what I want us to see is that prayer needs to be reactionary for you and I. 
Nehemiah is, is experiencing all of this adversity, and he keeps going back to prayer, going back to prayer. It's a reaction for him as, as he is going about this, this leadership role. I don't know how to handle life without prayer. I am a, and I don't say this to even actually be an ounce of joking. I don't think, I think if I was not a praying man that I wouldn't be here. I think if I wasn't a praying man, I think there are bars that I would go to routinely and I would not have years of sobriety under my belt. Uh, that there is prayer keeps us from going to those crazy places. Ava and I wake up every morning with a habit of prayer uh, where I will wake up, I'll put a coffee cup out for me, I'll pick a coffee cup up that reminds me of her, I'll put out a few Splenda, which is like cancer in a little bag, uh, and, uh, and she, but she loves, anyways, I digress, uh, I joke with her, um, and so um, I put out her Splenda, and then I go to her, where she sits down, I put out uh, some blankets for her, I put out some blankets for me, then I kind of have my own time of journaling and whatnot. Ava comes down in the morning, uh, then we pray together, we read together, uh, and then and she goes off to the gym, or I go off to the gym, and vice versa. Then we high-five and switch off. That's a habit that we have on a, on a routine basis. And what happens for us is because we have that habit, those moments where we are human and prayer isn't a reaction for us, we have a habit that helps get us to that place. And so before prayer is reactionary for you, what I want you to consider is make a prayer habit in your own life and then build upon that, and I think prayer will be, start to become reactionary uh, for you. So we're going to move on now to chapter uh, 5. We are going, we are rolling. Uh, and here's what Nehemiah says in chapter 5. Now there arose a great outcry from the people uh, and their wives against the Jewish brothers. And this is now an enemy from within. For there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, are, we are many. So let us, uh, let us get grain that we may keep alive. For there, uh, for th there were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our houses to get grain uh, because of the famine. And there are those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's taxes uh, on our fields and the vineyards and those uh, in the in the flesh of our brothers and our children as their children. And, we, and yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it. For other men have our fields and our vineyards. Uh, and I was very angry. And when I heard their outcry in these words, I took counsel uh, with myself which means I kind of uh, let my heart take the moment. Uh, and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials and said to them, and then he goes on to give them the what's for, uh, and, and they repent, which is a good thing. Moving on to verse 14, though. Moreover, for the time that I was appointed to be governor in the land of Judah, in the 20th year of the, tw uh, the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king, 12 years, neither I, 12 years, neither, neither I nor my brothers ate of the food allowance of the governor, his kind of given per diem. Uh, for the, the former governors who were before me laid a heavy burden on the people and took uh, from them uh, for their daily ration of 40 shekels of silver. Even the servants lorded over over the people. But I did not do so because of the what? Fear of God. For I also perceived the work uh, on this wall, and we acquired no land, uh, and all of my servants were gathered uh, for the work. Moreover, they were at my table, 150 men. Imagine feeding all of these people, Jews and officials, besides those who came from the nations that were around us. Now, what was prepared at my expense uh, for each day was an ox, six choice sheep, birds, envy, uh, and every 10 days, all kinds of wine in abundance. Uh, yet, uh, for this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor. 
because of the service was too heavy on the people. Remember, again, going to prayer, remember my God, my good, oh my God, for all that I have done for this people. Nehemiah is hearing this outcry, and it's like, man, like we have, we have all these naysayers from outside. This project is big enough, and, and we have all of this adversity already, and now we have adversity from within. Now we have people that cannot work because they, don't, they have to try to fight to get their own uh, way to, to get their own food. There's a famine. Uh, there's a king's tax, and, and they can't even get to work on this wall because they, they just need to survive. And Nehemiah hears this outcry, and he's, he's enraged by it. You have wealthy Jewish people that have the means to, to step into the problem, and they're not acting like the family of God, and they're not acting as the family of God should. They see a need, they reach into the need, but they do so charging interest. They do so uh, taking so much more from the people that now they have lost their land. Now their very own kids are now sold into slavery, and that has been an accepted practice. And, and Nehemiah is, takes counsel with himself, which means he led with his heart, and he gives them the what for. And to their credit, they repent, and they turn from their ways. And Nehemiah, at the end of this chapter, he shows us why this was so important to him. He's not a man that fights injustice from his high tower. He's a man that says, I'm being, and I'm leading in a sacrificial way. I love these people, and this is why I really take this to heart. What was Nehemiah doing as a leader? Nehemiah was, he had a, a governor's allowance that he could take, uh, and that would put a bigger burden on the people, but he chose not to do that. Uh, he could. He was then taking of his own expenses uh, to feed a slew of people. Even if he was feeding them on a McDonald's budget, that's still very, very expensive. Nehemiah cared deeply for these people, and he would not stand for injustice, and so he gave them the what for. And to their credit, they responded. We had a situation, and I share this with permission. I would never share this without uh, permission, but we had a situation towards the end of, of last year where we had a lady that is part of our family that we care deeply, deeply for. And, uh, and we uh, were kind of like cued off like really early on that this person uh, might be uh, not who he says he was. And we quickly found out uh, that this person was a professional uh, con artist. And as such, uh, as a professional, uh, a professional manipulator. Now, anything you could say, you can twist facts, you can twist things and twist things and twist things. And, uh, but this was within. This was like, she was our people. And, uh, and he was in, in our fold, and we, like, we couldn't stomach it, uh, but we needed like facts and facts and facts and facts to really like, make this a, a solid case, if you will. And so uh, we finally got that solid case, and Ava and I uh, sat her down, and, and we said, hey, this house that he said he bought like months ago, here's the proof. He didn't buy this house. In fact, Ava and I even drove by this $4 million house and saw another family uh, at the table. He, it, it's, here's the facts, and here's what we've seen. It's not, it's not true. And, and oh, by the way, you were there when he promised us uh, and then gave us a promissory note and then followed it up with a fake check of $400,000. And, uh, and you were like, and you saw that, you heard that. Well, we've called that bank and we know it's, it's bogus and that it's not real and that's part of the fraud in the game. Uh, and she took it, she accepted it. Uh, and then later on that afternoon, she's texting with Ava and I and saying, like, I believe you guys. Uh, but he's telling me this, this, and this, and uh, I got enraged. Uh, I looked up. Uh, we were, Ava and I were in the same room. Uh, she read the text, uh, and I looked up to her, and I was like, if this was Reagan, I would lose my ever-loving mind. Uh, and then I stormed out of the house. Uh, and so for, to Ava's credit, uh, she just started relentlessly texting me like, what are you doing? 
what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, and so I called the elders, asked them to pray. I literally did call the police department uh, to say, like, hey, I'm going to go confront somebody. Uh, just kind of, like, swing by, make sure I'm still alive in, like, 20 minutes. Uh, and so, like, no joking. Uh, and so, like, I went, and I confronted, and we show up. I show up, and, and, he, and he looks over to his fiance and goes, really? We're going to do this right now? I was like, oh, we don't have to do it right here. Let's go to your house. Uh, let's just go over to your house. Like, let's just have this. I know you said there's a lot of work being done, but let's just sit at the kitchen table and have this conversation there. Okay, okay, forget the house for a second. Uh, all I want to do, uh, I want to love the real you, so let's not, like, let's not love the fake you. Let's love the real you. Um, so let's just confirm this check, which I did the day before. Uh, and, so let's, and so I called the, bank, the, the banking uh, agency that he had put on the fake check, uh, and I called them up, put it on speaker. I was like, hey, I just need to verify a check that was given to me. Um, I read them the fake account number and everything, and they're like, okay, like, we can verify it once, we, uh, once he gives us permission. And I was like, hey, they need your permission to verify this check. Can you give them permission? I was like, all right, I got to go. I really got to go. I really got to go. I can't. I, can't. I don't have time for this. No, I got to go. And so I hung up. Uh, and then he was in a rush to go, and he spent another 15 minutes uh, talking with us. And so he had all his cards were laid out, and we had enough proof, and we had, we had pinned him to the wall. And so that, that relationship thankfully ended. And our goal wasn't just to end that relationship. Our goal was to protect somebody that we deeply, deeply care about. And then we walked with her over the, over the next few months uh, uh, over through this, and, and we still will walk with anybody going through stuff. My point is this. We as the people of God have to care about injustice. We have to care about injustice within. We have to lead the way in generosity, and we have to fight for our people. As we do good outside in the community, we also have to fight for the good within our community, don't we? And so uh, in the next chapter, chapter 6, now we're in the last chapter. We're rolling fast through this. Uh, now when Salem Belt, uh, the to and, and Tobia, Geshem, and Geshem, now we have this third party, uh, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although at, up until this time I had not set uh, up the doors or the gates, Sambalat the Gisham sent me, sent to me saying, come, let us meet together uh, at that place uh, uh, in the plain of Ona, uh, and they, but they intended to do me harm. But I sent messengers to them saying, and I think this is, gonna, I'm going to cut and paste this sometimes, uh, I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down. Uh, why should I, uh, why should the work stop while I leave and come down to you? Uh, he basically is like, I don't have time for this. Uh, and then, uh, and they said to me four times this way. And I answered in the same manner. Moving on down, now they've made this, uh, they've come at him even more. Then he said, then I sent to him saying, no such thing is as you have, uh, no such thing as you say have been done. For you are inventing them out of your own mind. Have you ever wanted to say that to somebody? Like, you're speaking such garbage, and you've spent so much time thinking about this that you've started to invent things in your mind as a much be reality. You've stepped, it's not actually reality. You've invented this in your head. Uh, four, uh, they all wanted to frighten, uh, frighten us, thinking that their hands will drop from the work, and, that, and, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Nehemiah is getting to the end, and so the attacks increase. They send letters, uh, and Nehemiah responds with, I don't got time for this. I'm doing an important work. This is noise. This is noise. But Nehemiah, as a leader, is a fighter, and he would have wanted to step into it, but he's like, no, I got I to stay focused on this. 
And finally, they send, I think it's the fifth letter, uh, where it's an open letter. Because bullies like to create a crowd. Bullies like to make a scene. And so they send an open letter. Uh, and, ne and Nehemiah disregards all of that. Uh, Nehemiah gets this, uh, gets this uh, word that they have actually paid off a priest. <laughs> and gotten a priest to say, hey, come to the temple. But Nehemiah knows the word of God. Nehemiah knows if I do what they say I should do, that that makes me an enemy of God. That that, that that is a place only for a priest, and I'm not a priest. So if I do that, they're trying to get me to go against the word of God, and I, and I will not do such a thing. And so, no, I'm just going to keep on keeping on. And in 50, 52 days, the wall is done because Nehemiah was able to focus and not give in to any of the nonsense that was being thrown his way. And he ends with this prayer that says, God, be merciful to those that have repented and do justice to those that have been a naysayer. And you know what we read at the very beginning of all this. They're still throwing stones. So one of the greatest rebuilds in our history uh, from, a, from a business standpoint is Apple. Wouldn't you guys have loved in 1985 or so to buy Apple stock? That would have been fantastic. A great turnaround, right? Uh, they fired Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs came back. And one of the things that Steve Jobs did when he came back uh, was he was in a room, and he said, hey, we're doing this, 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 and this. And, uh, and we're trying to be excellent at all these things. We have to narrow our focus and be excellent at only a few things, and that's when we lost the iPod. Uh, and so they did the tablet and uh, a few other things, and we're just going to be excellent at these few things. What Steve Jobs is uh, credited to have said it is this. I'm actually as proud of the things that we haven't done as the things I have done. Innovation is saying no to a thousand things you have to pick carefully. I think what helps us uh, from a spiritual side of this type of a quote is when you and I need to learn what to say no to. You and I need to learn what to say yes to. You and I need to learn what noise is worth us leaning into and what noise is worth us ignoring. And I think you and I have to be quick to prayer to know how to decipher all of this. Uh, Steve Jobs used common wisdom. You and I need to go before God in dependent prayer and say, God, where do I need to say no? God, where do I see, need to say yes? Where do I fight and where do I need to be still? God, help me with this, and we need to go to prayer for that. Our big thought for this experience, this time together in God's word, is our faithfulness best mimics his faithfulness. You have two people. You have the people of God and you have God meeting in faithfulness. God saw their faithfulness and God did abundantly more than they could do. They built this wall. We, we read that prayer at the very beginning where they're giving credit and glory to God for it. They saw God's hand through it. If you and I want to be faithful, study the faithfulness of God and mimic that. But what do we see through these four chapters? It's adversity. Adversity, adversity, every step of the way, wave after wave after wave, and it's all adversity. And you and I can be like, Jason, like, I get it. Like, I want to be part of the mission of God. Jason, like, I I'm with you. I'll attack whatever. Let's, let's do this. But yet, Jason, I walk in here exasperated by life. Jason, how can I, how can I fight these battles when, I'm, when I have my own battles and I, and I can't even do that? Like, I'm trying to be faithful in my own life, but that, that's hard enough, let alone with the people of God. And so I, I want to just play the, a two-minute song. And then come uh, and then give you guys a challenge, and then we'll we'll sing one more song. It's raise a hallelujah, uh, and and then we'll call it a day. But I want to play this song by Toby Mac, and uh, I mistakenly said Toby Keith earlier. Uh, it's not Toby Keith. That's wild. Uh, but Toby Mac, who's a, a Christian artist, and his son died of an overdose. And as the Christian community, we can chirp, 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 chirp. But at the end of the day, a man lost his son. A man who's a Christian lost his son. 
Uh, and he really battled and battled. And soon after that, he wrote this song. And so I don't know if you've had a hard time recently, but I imagine many of us have. Uh, I hope that this song speaks to you as we think about what a faithful next step looks like and what honesty is with that. Uh, so check out this song, and then I'll come back up and give us a challenge. 